Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. So we're going to talk about a prophet today, not a prophet that we usually speak of. And um, Angela, I put the clicker down somewhere, and if you could find it for me back there, I'd be grateful. <laughs> We're going to talk about a prophet. Uh, his name's Ezekiel, and uh, it's a beautiful book. It's a beautiful book. And usually when you talk to someone about Ezekiel, they'll tell you, um, oh, that guy who plays for the Cowboys, he's having a really bad day, you know, or they'll talk about uh, the bread, you know, and... and to me, the book of Ezekiel is like this um, rock that, um, uh, and there's a diamond inside that rock that hasn't been cut, that hasn't been polished, that hasn't been shined. Thank you, sir. Grateful. Always losing stuff. But um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, as far as prophets go, they, they get all the publicity, they get all the press and the street cred, and it's rightfully so. But the book of Ezekiel is truly an amazing, amazing testimony. And before we get into his book, I just want to paint a picture of what this man's circumstance was at the time that he has his uh, prophecy. Assyria has already defeated northern Israel like 117 years prior. And so is 605 BC and Babylon invades Jerusalem for the first time, okay? Ezekiel is 18 years old. And Nebuchadnezzar was just brilliant in his strategy when he invaded the first time because what he did is he took certain people of lineage and he took the people that were most important to Babylon that were gonna serve him the best and it was twofold. It was to strengthen Babylon. And it was also to allow um, Israel just to gradually weaken themselves with all these people gone. And so if you were a great farmer or a tradesman or a craftsman or whatever the case may be, if you had great value, you were taken during the first siege. Now, guess what? Ezekiel, he wasn't taken in the first siege. But there are some very people very important people who were. There's this guy named Daniel. Anybody ever hear of him? Anybody know how old Daniel was? He's 15. Yeah, he's 15 years old during the first siege. And three of his buds went with him. All right, anybody know who those are? Yeah, incredible, okay? So they're in the first siege, they leave. Yeah, you have to turn it on if it's on the side. Okay. Bear with me. So they leave Jerusalem and they have to travel that red line there all the way to Babylon. So it's quite a trip. It's depending on which when you take, it's like 550 to 650 miles that you're traveling through um, from Jerusalem to Babylon. And so 
Eight years later, Nebuchadnezzar comes again, and this time he takes he takes Ezekiel with him, along with uh, 10,000 other Jews. And then there's a third siege 11 years later, and Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, they just flatten, flatten Jerusalem. They just tear it down to nothing. So Ezekiel, he's in Babylon for four years. He's 30 years old. He's indentured, okay? He's basically, basically a slave. And, you know, they're not putting him up at the Holiday Inn or the Hamptons. You know, he's got a pretty, pretty rough life. And so he starts having these really crazy rabbit hole dreams. And I, I studied this for quite a while, trying to figure a way to communicate to you what those dreams were like. And as crazy as, as it sounds, I kept coming back to that Jefferson Airplane song, White Rabbit, where the chess men, the men on the chessboard get up and tell you where to go. And it was just crazy, crazy rabbit hole dreams. And he's witnessing... Um, he's flying around with angels and he's eating scrolls and he's, um, he witnesses the presence of the Lord and he has um, uh, he has these talking flames that are communicating with him and talking to him and the Lord's flying around with him pointing out idolatry and saying we're going to come against this we're going to stop this and he calls Ezekiel Ezekiel, son of man and at certain times during his ministry, he's tied up with ropes. And the, the Lord tells him that I'm going to sew your tongue to the top of your mouth. Yeah. And you're only going to speak when I tell you to. Okay. And then you're going to lay on your left side for how many days? 390 days. Wow. Yeah. And then you're going to lay on your right side for 40 days okay but there's more <laughs> I'm going to take your greatest treasure I'm going to take your greatest treasure your wife and I'm going to take your life and I'm going to order you not to mourn for her okay so you realize Ezekiel he's prophesying in exile to Israel, Israelites who are in Babylon as exiles. And on top of it, Father God tells Ezekiel, probably just aren't really going to listen to you. Okay. And, you know, you have to think, why? What's the point? Why bother? What's the point of all this? But in spite of all that, Lord tells Ezekiel, you're going to be the watchman of my people. I want you to answer this call and commission and you're going to watch over and you're going to advise and protect my people. And then, by the way, they're, they're not going to listen to you, but that's beside the point. <laughs> when the enemy attacks, you're going to sound an alarm. You're going to expose false prophets, both the men and the women. And you're going to expose idol worship and pagan shrines. And you're going to pass judgment through me and Israel's leaders. And the middle of the book of Ezekiel is, is it's heartbreaking, but it's beautiful, because the Lord is speaking to Ezekiel from his heart, and he's telling him, he, he's sharing his feelings, and his disgust, and his hurt, and his anger, and his jealousy. And that, that 
and the way it's done is, is just beautiful in itself. But he also tells them what's coming next, and he promises restoration. And Ezekiel is still willing to be that watchman. And so when you think of a watchman during Ezekiel's times, um, it's not what you would think a watchman is today, all right? And I just want to touch on that real quick, what a watchman isn't, all right? There's this, um, this great songwriter named Harry Chapin. Does anybody know him? Yeah. Heard of him? A couple of people. He wrote this song that um, is called Better Place to Be, and it says, it goes something like this. Uh, I'm the midnight watchman down at Miller's Tool and Die, and I watch the metal rusting, and I watch the time go by. It's not that kind of a watchman. And there's a comic book superhero called The Watchman. Does anybody know that? Well, apparently there is. Maybe five people read it. Who, who, who knows about it? Oh, okay. There we go. We have one person. I think you're one of the five. Okay. And there's a great author, Watchman Nee, uh, yeah. Sit, Walk, Stand. And I would love to ask his parents why they named him Watchman. Um, and some people, when they think of Watchman, they think of Big Brother from the book 1984, you know, everybody spying on you, like Alexis and stuff. <laughs> That's not the kind of Watchman that we're talking about. The Watchman in that time was a Watchman who sat in a watchtower and they were typically placed near a farm. And near harvest time, men would stand and watch the crops. And they wanted to be sure that animals, birds, and thieves didn't come and steal their food. And quite simply, if they failed, these people starved. They died. So it was a very, very important job. You could also see a watcher uh, standing vigil at other times. And he's observing the daily life the people. And say, for instance, um, you had a real estate deal, and two agents came together and they said, hey, we want to close this deal. And they say, okay, let's meet over at the sheep gate and, you know, bring your sandals, we'll swap sandals, or you want to sell someone as a bride. And, and uh, the watchman, he'd be the notary, he'd be one of the witnesses of those types of transactions. So it's a really important job to be a watchman. There's many references in scripture to a watcher standing on the city walls, protecting the people. If a threat were to appear, he'd sound a warning in the village and close its gates, prepare for battle. And so they're kind of like a, a, a bodyguard of sorts. And in football on the offensive line, maybe on the whole off, offensive end of football, the most important people are the guys that are watching the blind side of the quarterback. And um, they're kind of like a watchman, too. They're just protecting the blind side. And so the meat of this message is right here. It's Ezekiel 33, 1 through 9. And I'm going to read that to you. Once again, a message came to me from the Lord. It said, Son of man, give your people this message. When I bring an army against the country, the people of that land choose one of their own to be a watchman. When a watchman sees the enemy coming, he sounds an alarm to warn the people. And then those who hear the alarm, if they refuse to take action, it's their own fault that they die. They heard the alarm and ignored it, so the responsibility is theirs. 
if they had listened to the warning, they would have saved their lives. But if the watchman sees the enemy coming and does not sound the alarm to warn the people, he is responsible for the captivity and they'll die in their sins, but I will hold the watchman responsible for their deaths. Now, son of man, I'm asking, I, I am making you a watchman for the people of Israel. Therefore, listen to what I say and warn them for me. If I announce that some wicked people are sure to die, and you fail to tell them to change their ways, then you will, then they will die in their sins, and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. But if you warn them to repent, and they don't repent, and they die in their sins, you saved yourself. Yes, it's so clear. It, it makes everything so much clearer and simpler when you look at it from that perspective. And although this is a simple message, it's another way of saying it. We're going to shift gears here for just a second. I'm going to talk briefly about how a wolf pack hunts. Okay. So a wolf pack, if they're hunting a pack of caribou or bison, they will follow on the outskirts of this herd and they'll analyze the herd to look for weaknesses, to look for vulnerability. And eventually, they're gonna look for a moment to attack. And their goal is, is to separate the herd. They'll take the herd and they'll cut it in half and then there'll be quarters and there'll be eighths and there'll be sixteenths. And they'll wait until the most opportune moment until they have the greatest numbers. And the most vulnerability, and then they attack. The enemy, Satan, uses that exact same strategy, and we can see it every single day if we're watching the social media and the news and the COVID and the vaccines and the political disagreements were constantly being halved and quartered in the 8th and 16th, were being separated. Teresa, come on. I want to show you or share with you what this looks like in the 21st century. Teresa's going to share a testimony. So some of you guys know a little bit about what my family has gone through in the last few months. So it kind of started back in October. My brother-in-law was diagnosed with throat cancer, and him and my sister took off for UCSF. He made it back in time for his daughter's wedding, which was New Year's Eve. And, you know, it was a party, and I got to marry them, so it was really cool. And my whole, almost my whole family was there, so it was really great. And, my brother Todd and Angela were there, and <sighs> so Todd and Angela stayed with me that first part of January, and about, oh, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, Angela popped with a really bad headache, and they were over in Reading. And it was a Thursday, 
And I remember this because at Bible study, I flippantly said something about, oh yeah, I'm in a really good season right now. I'm not in the desert season. And I was telling Frank, within a minute, my brother called me and said he was taking Angela into the emergency room with this really bad headache. And they thought she had meningitis. So on Saturday, they air-backed her to UCSF. And two weeks later, she was gone. So it's been a week that Angela has passed away. And in the middle of it, I was behind the sound booth worshiping, and Satan rolled in on me, and he said, your family is cursed. And, you know, for me, I just couldn't believe it because, you know, I was so in the zone with Jesus and talking to him about Angela and still believing for that healing. But like Frank said, that's what he does. So he doesn't play fair, guys. And he came at me full blown in one of my weakest moments. But you know what? I know the words, so I just went, you know what? You're a liar. And that was that. Yes. So when the enemy comes for one of ours, we've got to come together. We've got to blow the horn. We've got to blow the chauffeur. We've got to shout. We have to come together. And it doesn't matter how the enemy is attacking you, whether it's an offense of the flesh or a health issue, whether it's being overwhelmed, underappreciated, underloved, it doesn't matter. It's important for me to encourage each one of you to be a watchman for everyone, not just people here, but the people in your family, your city, your state. When it's time to blow the trumpet because the enemy's attacking, it's important that we don't wait for the pastors. We don't put this on them or the prayer team or the um, prayer chain. That it not be just them. They shouldn't have to handle this alone. We're stronger together. Okay. We can't have the attitude that, oh my gosh, don't you know how busy I am? I really don't have time for this. Okay. Um, I want to, I cannot overemphasize how important it is that we commit to looking out for each other. Okay, 21st century watchman, protector or bodyguard. He has two attributes. And the first attribute is when our clan or our church or our children or grandchildren or friends, neighbors or city are attacked, we sound the alarm, we blow the trumpet, we put on our armor, our armor of God, the sword of the spirit. And we can't put this just solely on the pastors. We come together and we fight. We fight with our swords until the enemy's blood is on our sword. And this was not part of my message, but it's like impossible for me to ignore this um, since it was brought to me this morning, just a little while ago. Um, Gail was sharing with me. Uh, 
what she, what's going on with her, and I, I'm, I'm here to blow a trumpet. And I'm, I'm here to ask you if you're comfortable to come up and share what's going on. And then if we could, if we could pray for her afterwards, anybody wants to come up after she's done. And then I want to ask Joan or Randy if they're comfortable coming up after Gail. Well, I have cancer diagnosis, as you know, and then it's even complicated with some huge areas inside of my abdominal area that haven't been really diagnosed yet. And unlike Teresa's, mine came in the form of surrender, give up, don't even fight for it. And that's the mode I've been in until this morning. And God said, if you want to be well, you have to fight. It's interesting. Every song that that young man played when he sung, spoke to my heart 100%. So not asking the congregation to pray and people to really know what's going on is, a, is wrong, and that's what God showed me today. I trust the results of what's going to happen because, just like that long song, victory is mine through Jesus, so I'm not afraid of dying. But um, I don't think that's what God really wants. He wants me to fight, and so I, I'm asking for the prayers of the congregation to especially give me direction as to what to do because the drugs that they want to give me are interfering with some other problems I already have in there. So I do have wonderful cardiologist, and now they're going to include another doctor from San Francisco to try and outline what's best for me. So it's a tough one. And I try to be strong and brave, but I'm getting a little weak. Anybody want to come up here with me and lay hands on this girl? God, we proclaim you as a great physician. We proclaim that you have the power to heal Gail. And we ask that you bring the perfect people into her life, the perfect physician, the per perfect um, medicine, the, the perfect help, the perfect assistance. Father God, we ask that you give her rest and peace and comfort and know that she is protected as that wolf pack tries to separate her from the rest of the herd, that we're here to come against, that we're here to draw our swords, and we're here to come and protect our friend, Father God. Father God, may this ultimately bring glory and honor to you. Father God, the wisdom that she's asking for, Lord, we just uh, thank you that you are the spirit of wisdom and you are the spirit of revelation, and I thank you, Lord, that Gail hears your voice and the voice of the stranger she will not pay any attention to. Lord, I thank you that you paved the way before her. And Lord, I thank you that you spoke to her heart so that we could all join in prayer and that she would not be in this alone. And we praise your name. We thank you, Lord, for you are a good God. Yes, Lord, I know you're giving Gail strength, all the strength that she needs. It's, it's a battle, but we're going to win. Yes. And yes. the attitude's just got to be that 
it's not my time to die, you know. I've been through it myself. And thank you so much for all the doctors that you provided in this world. The right doctor. We just ask that you bring all the perfect people into your life. Through the proper procedure and, and all of the knowledge. Yes. And and all of her friends. I know that that's so important that she's reaching out and then it's all happening. Thank you. I feel the Lord saying that now you're my daughter and I'm fighting for you too. Made though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil. For I'm with you all the way. Amen. Yeah. Joe, Randy, are you comfortable coming up and sharing? Oh, great. Faith and belief knowledge that we will overcome. Uh, our family has been a costume for all of our married lives. Uh, Bertha was being, that was actually currently a chef. Uh, every time we turn around, there is another attack from something that should have been killed uh, repeatedly. Uh, in her case, uh, she started out something really stupid with her name, <clears throat> then it turned into cancer, and the uh, uh, medication almost did her in, and it killed everything in her body except for cancer. Then it came back. Then it got rid of it again. And now it's back again. The daily fight to make sure she stays insured or can actually see a doctor that can do anything is <laughs> logistical nightmare. And just when we think it's all for not, we're reminded. He's in charge. And I think a lot in music, and it's like oppressed, beaten down, but not destroyed, and those things. We are victorious. Uh, but again, it's darkest just before the dawn. I spent many years doing the Watchmen thing. Uh, the last hour before February is truly the absolute darkest time of day, night there is. And that's when attacks happen. But in our faith and belief, we're victorious. Yeah. We just have to wait until uh, the final bell is <laughs> yeah. The bell is ringing. It's a tough one for us. Uh, our faith and belief in our family keeps us together. And that's the three of us in this one. Right. Careful, careful. I can't walk. Yeah, careful. <laughs> 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 
Thinking back throughout what God has been speaking to me for the last couple of months and trying to share that with Randy, I know it's hard for him. He is, he feels helpless because he wants to support me fully. He wants to be the one taking all this. But I know the enemy is attacking. And I keep telling him, get lost. Amen. And I keep remembering. In fact, I've been reading. And all I keep seeing is joyful. Victory. And I just keep saying, Lord... I want to be more like you and less of me. Mm -hmm. And Lord, if there's a way to get, relieve the side effects of the medications that they're giving me just to help knock this down. Because I know the medications that I'll be taking this week is going to affect me so much that... I'll have to wear a mask. And even though I've griped about it, it's like, okay, Lord, you are in control, not me. I just, I'm happy. It's victory. And it's like the Lord told me after I read a couple months ago, all he said was ding, 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 round three. <laughs> and I was trying to figure out, okay, Lord, what's going on? I go online, look at the results. Oh, the number went up. Okay, PET scan time. Oh, we have it here now. Okay. Then... He keeps speaking. I can't remember what the word was said, but I know he's with me. And I am literally punching, fighting in that boxing match, because that's what I see this as. And I'm looking at the little cancer and laughing at it. It's like, really? <clears throat> You're back? It's like, Lord, I'm not going unless you stop my heart. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I feel. Something about this time changed. And I'm not sure exactly what, but I know it's different. I am not going out without a massive fight. Amen. And he's going to be black and blue. Amen. Because <laughs> I will keep fighting this. If it's 40 years, it's 40 years. It doesn't matter to me. Yes, I hurt. I've got those little kneeling pains throughout the body again. It's not as bad as it was before. But it just lets me know something is going on. But I'm just happy. I know 
it's harder, Randy, because he can't protect me from this. But I just pray, God, just give him peace and joy and help him to see the way I'm seeing it. Because I got a whole lot of work to do. Even if I know it's crocheting for everybody here at church or whoever I decide to give it to. But I know deep down inside, in fact, Jesus gave me a vision several days ago that I'm actually holding on to. Literally in his presence and he's holding my hand. He has me. And I just keep deciding, okay, can I walk a little farther? Or am I needing to have the wheelchair or the walker? Okay, can I walk around the house without a problem? Can I do this? Can I do that? Everything right now is a second choice. I can't do what I want to do. And I have to think. And it's either wave everything away and say, no, I don't need it. Or I need help right now. I'm about to go down. But I know Jesus is with me. I know the enemy has been attacking. But I've got victory. And I claim it. Amen. Amen. My attitude towards all this, and I understand the treatment, what it does to us here partially, is I'm going to lay down and roll over. <clears throat> and Joan calls me and tells me I'm kicking butt. So she's been, her prayers have been very different. <laughs> Cancers, you know, it just shows up. It doesn't discriminate or anything like that. And the devil's working through it, definitely. So, you know, we just be strong. Yes. I, when I went through it, I just was like, this. I, I'm not ready to die. I'm just not ready to die yet. And I didn't even think about dying. I just thought about fighting. Yeah. Yeah. So you fight. Yeah. And it's our fight, too. Yeah. And Satan's blood on your sword. Yeah. Amen. Continue. <laughs> Father God, I'm, I'm praying that uh, round three yes. is the knockout round. Yes. Yeah. The round the it goes down. Yes. There's a count to 10, there's a count to 20, there's a count to 30. Right. And that a stretcher is called, and an ambulance is called, and the enemy lives unconscious, Father God. That's my prayer for Jill. Lord, we ask for strength for Randy. He is such a good man, and we ask that right now he's a watchman. He's watching over his family, and he's sounding the alarm. I said you give him strength and fortitude endurance, wisdom, and understanding. Whatever it is he needs, you provide. You are Jehovah Jireh, our provider, our protector. You are God that looks over us, your good, your love, your light, and you are the glory, Lord. We just give you the praise that that these people are setting an example for the rest of us to not only fight the enemy, 
but to seek hope. Pursue it, because it's there. And Jesus died and resurrected so that we would have hope. Hope for a future with him. In Jesus' name. My next note here says, uh, Father God wants us to share our faith. And uh, that was just absolutely beautiful. Thank you, John Thank you, Brandy. Church. Thank you, Church. Thank you, Gail. Sharing our faith, just like we did, that's the ultimate investment. Okay. Uh, Father God wants us to give warnings to both believers and non-believers. He wants us to discuss moral and religious obligations and kindness and in love. And just imagine that Ernie over here, I'm talking to Ernie, you know, Ernie, you know that um, sacrifice to Satan before breakfast with your Cheerios and your Pop-Tarts is probably not a good idea, you know, Ernie, that's something you ought, to, you ought to think about there. And it's really critical that, that we not confront people and that we not alienate them. What that person does with that discussion is their business. What they do with that prayer is their business. We're not here to pressure people into the kingdom. We're here to simply witness Father God's truth. The Holy Spirit does the work from there. And we're in unprecedented times where good is evil and evil is good. And there's new addictions and idols that are becoming more evident and prominent each and every day. And so I want to share a brief testimony. I'm going to try and run through all this real quick because we're a little bit late. But um, I was uh, in the children's ministry at uh, Faith Center for quite a while. And we would take our vans and we'd go pick up kids of parents who didn't come to church. And to say that they were rough around the edges would be being very polite. And um, we were always having trouble. Um, there's a switchblade, there's a bag of pot, there was a brass knuckle, you know, there was something in every two weeks or three weeks there'd be these disciplinary meetings and we'd sit in there and, you know, people would challenge the wisdom of bringing these kids to church. And there's, um, there's one boy, his name is Isaiah, and I had him for a short season, but he had a, an impact on me. And uh, he had an anger problem, angry, angry boy. And he could go off like that. And uh, he was a fighter, and he did not hesitate to punch someone in the head. And uh, it was to the point where they really didn't want him to be there, and I didn't want to give in that easy. And so I sat him down, and I said, Isaiah, here's what I'm willing to do. I will play catch with you for 10 minutes on Wednesday and Sunday. In exchange for that, you cannot get in any more trouble. And the kid took my offer. He made that deal. And I told him, this is your choice. If you get in trouble again, you punch someone again. I just can't come and bring you to church anymore. 
And I know the only reason why he came was because we played catch and we fed him. And sometimes those aren't the best reasons, but that's what he did. But during that 10 minutes, this, this kid was a huge Dallas Cowboys fan, and he'd always be talking about Michael Irvin. And he'd tell me, I'm going to run a post route, or I'm going to run a button hook, and I want the ball right here. And if he dropped that pass, you could see his anger go like, like that. And he'd whip the ball against the side of the building, and he'd cuss, and he'd just be so angry with himself. And so I started talking to him about that anger, about things to do with it, how I dealt with it when I was a kid. And I talked to him about jail, I talked to him about prison, and if he didn't learn to control that anger, someday he's gonna be sitting in a cell with a guy named Bubba for a roommate. <laughs> and I told him how honorable, he had a little sister, and uh, there were people coming from his house constantly, and how honorable it would be for him to protect his little sister. And I talked to him about the lineage of his name, who Isaiah was. And I talked to him about sobriety, how easy it is to give it away, how difficult it is to get back, and character and honesty. Just those things that you would think that a boy would want or should hear from a guy in his life, okay? And months went by and it was really frustrating because this guy did not want to hear it. He just, you know, he was tuning me out, doing everything he could to tune me out. But he wanted to play catch and he wanted to get fed. And so I had, had him captive for half of those 10 minutes when he wasn't talking about the route he was going to run while we were playing catch. It was like a, a, a Sunday, we were wrapping things up, and I said, um, okay, how are we doing here? And he says, okay, it's time to go. And it was the first time he ever said, it's time to go. And I said, how do you know it's time to go? <laughs> and this kid says, because I'm Isaiah, named after a great prophet. I'm the son of Amos. I, pro um, I tell people in Israel when they're doing the stupid things. And he went on and he repeated some of the stuff I'd been telling him for months that in my head I was just absolutely convinced he wasn't hearing. And the beauty of this was that I should have not needed that validation. But I did. Oh my gosh, did I ever. And it taught me a lot because a very short time after, uh, I went to pick him up. And he's gone. Place is cleared out. Talked to the people in the apartment next door. You know, they had gotten kicked out. No one knew where he, where he went or what he was doing or what was going on. And just like that, I mean, the kid's gone. And I share that with you to encourage you that people aren't always going to want to hear what you say. Okay? But if you're truly being in the watchman, as the Lord describes to Ezekiel, you're going to share your testimony. They may not want to hear it, okay? But don't be discouraged, because it's going to be heard. A lot of people don't share their testimony, or they, they won't share because they're afraid of not being liked. And I've learned a long, long time ago that not everybody's going to like you. In fact, when you start sharing, a lot of people aren't going to like you, especially if they don't believe. But all it is is... The fact of the matter is, is that your faith, your belief in Father God is just irritating their demons. 
and there's nothing else to it. That's all it is. So don't be dismayed. Some people, they just may never like you, but it doesn't matter. We're still called to share our faith. Riley, why don't you come on up? So to summarize, the question I, I would have for you, well, let me back up for just a second. I just want to thank Joan, Randy, and Gail for coming up here and sharing your heart, sharing your testimony. And thank you for everybody who's prayed for that. That was totally spontaneous and just warms my heart seeing that. But uh, to summarize, quite simply, who's your watchman? And who are you watching over? Whose warning are you listening for? Just remember, we can't be just hearers of the word. We have to be doers of the word. And that's all I've got for you. And I thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.